Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, and welcome back to the show, everybody. Today is Thursday, February 13, 2014. I'm Alan Smith along with Donna Smith. Thanks for tuning in and sharing a little bit of your time with us this evening. Glad to be back on the air. And Donna, you're over there all set and ready to go, and you'll have announcements later, right? That's right. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we'll just get rolling. This is a roundtable open forum where we just kind of leave the uh, discussion up to the callers, uh, whatever you'd like to talk about. We threw up some suggestions there in the show description. Actually, a lot of stuff going on out there in the trucking world these days. Regulations, of course, always. Sleep apnea, CSA, including the recent report by the GAO uh, concerning the CSA. You've got the highway bill, driver pay, driver health, recruiting, whistleblowing, truck driver shortage, all the stuff that we hear and know and love so well in this industry. And uh, not always bad things, good things too. We like to like to talk about a little bit of everything. So uh, Richard Wilson of uh, TCRGConsulting.com will be joining us for uh, this roundtable discussion as well. And uh, something a little bit different as I bring you on the air, I'm just going to leave your mic open. And uh, you can just kind of jump in whenever you'd like. If, you've, uh, if you say what you want to say and that's it and want to hang up and just listen, that's fine. But I will be leaving your mics open because, uh, I mean, after all, it is the roundtable open forum. So feel free to uh, call in and share uh, whatever you'd like with us this evening. Our phone uh, call-in number is 347-826-9170. Uh, we'll bring Richard on when we uh, come back from a little break. An area co- caller from area code 862 will get you as well. And like I said, just uh, we'll leave your mic open and join in and jump in there anytime you like. So uh, it is a roundtable open forum uh, coming up this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. 
There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here from Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com and I want to tell you about TCRG Consulting. TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group and with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very startup of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up to date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. Their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs. TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. Their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority, new entrant carrier setup and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, plus a whole lot more. Their online special for drivers and owner-operators is offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you have access to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you. So for more information, go to their website at tcrgconsulting.com or email Email them at regguy at comcast.net. You can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, information and assistance to help you comply. Check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. Roundtable open forum this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. You decide the discussion, where the discussion goes. Donna, you all propped up, got your coffee, ready to roll? Oh, um, you see me over here with my desk all a mess, and that's just how I like it. <laughs> <laughs> desk all a mess and uh, about 50, 50 uh, windows open on your computer over there. Yeah, there they all are. All right, let's bring on uh, uh, one of our guests this evening, Richard Wilson of uh, TCRGConsulting.com. You just heard the commercial that we just played there. Uh, Richard, uh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good, Alan. Doing doing real good. Uh, Thank you very much for having me come on today. Well, glad to have you. I want to touch a little bit about your other radio show, too, on that. We're going to uh, just jump in here. We've got Bert on the line, area code 862, if my... uh, 
I don't, you know, I lost my area code list, but I think that's a, a, I think that's a New Jersey area code, if I'm not mistaken. But let me pull up his line, and we'll just see where Bert wants to take us. Uh, Bert, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me on. Yes, eight six two. That is a New Jersey area code. Oh, my brain's working pretty good this evening. Okay. Well, glad to have you. What's uh, where you want to take us on the round table open forum? Well, I like the uh, talking about the, um, the the driver shortage that people always talk about. All right. Uh, I, I think there's a I think there's a serious money shortage, not so much driver shortage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know a little bit about that, huh, Rich? I know you do too, yeah. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I spoke on that particular subject at the last social media event, as a matter of fact. That's um, right, that's right. And, unfortun- and unfortunately, I hate to say it, and I wish I didn't have to say it, but I actually reported um, pretty on spot because we're, we're really seeing that. And, uh, and, and, and I even, and yesterday, uh, of course, the last three days I've been in Washington, you all know, with the MIXAC and... Um, CSA, MIXAC CSA subcommittee uh, hearings, um, and actually I heard some positive, I mean, so I heard some pot when I say positive, you know, things that are working in our favor, and uh, I put a little uh, recorded pod thing out today on my site, and on I know as you guys shared it, um, with a comment period that I uh, uh, talked to them about, um, and one of the issues I, I kind of really banged hard on them was the fact that we are losing drivers in our industry, and the ones that we're replacing them with are uh, unskilled, unqualified, uh, don't have any experience, um, term I like to use, 90-day wonders, and, and, you know, they want to know why the crash rates are going up so high. Well, you know, you, I, I, like I said in one of the conversations yesterday, crash rates go high because, you know, it's easier to investigate after an accident and and put it into a category that if you're in a preventive maintenance or preventive program trying to reduce crashes that you need to look at some of the root causes and some of those root causes is driver shortage yeah yeah and we're going to get into your msac meeting and what was all discussed and everything and uh, well bert what's uh let you continue here what what's your thoughts on the you know we've been talking about this driver shortage for decades but uh, go ahead what's your thoughts on it well, you know, I'm I'm 43 years old, and I like to tell people I've been in the trucking business 43 years. And, you know, I've seen so many companies and drivers come and go, and I personally know dozens of people who who basically just said the heck with the industry and, you know, basically just went home and, and made a better living for themselves. You know, we're the only, for some reason, we're the only business in this country that doesn't follow a normal a normal capitalistic model you know we've we're, we're the only one that have had steady wages actually declining wages over the last 20 years that's right we you know our revenue is basically the same as it was in the early 70s and you know we the employers and the companies that you lease to I happen to be an owner operator but you always hear you know they always talk about supply and demand and you know, yes, that load's going to be cheaper because of you know, supply and demand. Well, we're the only ones that, you know, with all the empty trucks that there are out there, there's an incredible demand, but the, the numbers never show it. We, we work completely opposite of, of a normal capitalist setup. And it's something I've, I've never been able to understand. 
Well, I, I think, and um, tell me if you guys, you know, agree, I think a lot of that not set up, like, the, with capitalist uh, interests, like you were saying, has a lot to do with that unskilled labor thing. I mean, am, am I right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree with that, too. I mean, you can't, okay. you, can't take, you can't take an industry that is as regulated as our industry is, which is in a comparative apples to apples is similar to the airline industry, and expect people to go out and work for less wages than they can work at a nine-to-five job at, like, say, at a store in a mall when it comes down to the bottom line. And if you look at the total amount, what the net is on an intake of a driver, not the gross, but the net intake is for the hours worked, shoot, the new uh, minimum wage uh, laws they just passed, if we got every dollar for that, it would be a, a pay raise. It would, and, and that goes along with what they were talking about at the meeting. Um, also, the, um, oh, I forgot, the the fair uh, labor. Right. Right? I mean, they're yeah. not a part of that. There's no ex- exemption, or they are part of the exemption of the fair labor. And again, that's all tied in with unskilled labor. Yeah, but there's a there's a lot more to play here. I mean, the unskilled labor plays a major factor in this. But uh, I mean, there's a lot to play it here. I mean, we're we're in a whole new generation too, from where you know me and you guys and everything grew up in this industry. I mean, the you know kids graduating today from high school and stuff and college age. I mean, they don't uh, you know they look at this life and the pay and you know they they don't they don't want to do what we've done for decades. You know, and you can hardly blame them blame them, Bert. You know, so I mean that kind of plays a part in it too. Yeah, Alan and I, you and I have had this conversation many a times. What do we call it? Work ethic. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different, a different generation, and they're not getting away with oh, yeah. it now. And you can't, you can't, you can't really blame them, Bert. I mean, you, I mean, you said you've been in it, you've been in it for a long time too. I mean, and and you brought up, um, you know, the same since the seventies. I mean, that's funny because I was looking at a. I was looking at an old trucking magazine that was dated 1978, and they were advertising for drivers for the same CPM pay that we're getting paid today. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it's 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 uh, uh, the the pay has been the same, and in some, in many cases, it's gone down as well. Now you have more regulations, and um, I mean, it, it's like you're getting paid less to do more. And then they wonder why the people coming into the industry, the failure rate is is so huge. I mean, or people just leaving, never mind failing, but just saying, well, I mean, what are they, nuts? And they just leave. So the retention rate is so low among first-year drivers also. And then the the training, um, which, which was also spoken of at that meeting, right, Rich? I mean, I know you've got a lot of things, you know, to touch on about the um, exact meeting that you just came back from, but I know training was one of them, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah quality, the quality of entry-level training um, is by no means anywhere to the level where it should be. In fact, or even uh, part of the draft that was uh, – uh, written up for the, <clears throat> excuse me, Task 1401 under MIXAC for uh, MAT 21, um, stated that there could actually be included into the new entrant driver program where drivers would have to work on an absolute 24-hour clock and then experienced drivers 
could expand that a little bit. Uh, but one of the major things that, that was really brought up that, that I saw as a positive was uh, reforming the truck driver compensation under Section 10 and address the uh, Federal La- Labor uh, Standards Act exemption and removing it so truck drivers would actually be paid for all time they work and for all what they do. Um, and uh, they've even uh, asked the committee to come up with an across-the-board average fair pay rate per hour based on what the current HOS is. So a driver would be paid total amount of hours that they work. And, and instead of just being a flat rate or uh, cents per mile or whatever, they would be actually paid on a time basis. Right. Right. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, this is this is something that they've been asking for a long time, and I'm sure they're not even aware that all these things were brought up um, at the meeting. No, the reason, one of the reasons it was brought up was because the past couple of years since, you know, I've been involved with MECSAC and everything, and a lot of drivers are starting to address the committee, uh, they're getting input, uh, uh, they're listening to the carriers when they go to the trucking shows and stuff, and some of this data from the drivers is actually starting to get typed up in some of these discussion notes. And I have looked at that as probably one of the biggest positives for our industry is the fact that, you know, as I said in my, my comments yesterday, there's 700,000 plus motor carriers in this country, and each of them have drivers, and there's a heck of a lot more drivers out there than our committee members. And, you know, they need to start listening to the people that are out there working on the road or they're going to find themselves in, in crisis management real soon because we will have a driver shortage. And with the JIT, like I'm going to follow up with what Brent said, you know, with uh, um, the supply chain, JIT has been a major, major supply chain uh, indicator. And with JIT, you just can't have uh, empty trucks or unqualified people on the road. And and I'd like to ask Bert. Bert, are you still on the line? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, are you aware, or do you follow these Mixac meetings? No, no, I haven't really. I've uh, not really familiar with that. Okay, and and you know, and you probably you've been in it a while. You have a podcast. You're interested in trucking, and yet you 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 still haven't heard of them or aren't aware of what goes on in them. And I think that's a major problem. Uh, don't you agree, Rich, that we need to get this out there more? I mean, it's not that drivers don't get involved, but they're just not aware. And let's face it, the FMCSA doesn't really go out of their way to put it out there to make sure drivers are involved, right? No, no, it's not an it's not a... It's not anything that the Federal Motor Carrier Administration or the Department of Transportation wants to um, advertise. <clears throat> it's, uh, it, you know, they go through the legal processes of filing the notices, blah, 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 and all that. It just happens to be, as you well know, in my business, I happen to be, you know, tied directly in with Washington and regulations and stuff. So, you know, I have access to stuff that everybody has access to, but... You know, even on my website and uh, even on, uh, you know, my Facebook and, and Twitter, uh, I usually start announcing uh, a couple months out and then as it gets closer once the uh, notice comes out because that's one thing about it. I mean, I've been going to these meetings three years, and beside myself speaking on behalf of drivers, I think I've only heard three actual truck drivers ever get up and, and give comments. And, um, you know, it's a little 
taxing in that point because so many people out here have good, legitimate, and I'd love to take their their uh, ideas and present it for them, but uh, they they've kind of changed the the. Um, how you present format. this now from yeah. now on. Yeah, the format on presentations, they want you to go through the legal process of filing it on the right page. Um, you know, I'll give you, I'm going to give you guys that link. Uh, I gave it to you today, Donna, um, to where they mm-hmm. can go and look up and get the notices. It's very important that they sit down and they write a letter because I, they will read the letters in front of the committee. But unfortunately, they've, they've made a, a, a decision that they don't want, like, one person like myself coming in there with three hours' worth of uh, comments. Right, and that's what Rich used to do. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost like a deterrent, you know, having them go through all that. Uh, number one, it's not, uh, for lack of a better word, advertised, these meetings for the drivers. Uh, number right. two is they can't get there uh, because of, of their profession, obviously. And number three, Rich used to be able to read what uh, the drivers would write to them, what, what they would like to say or a question they would like to ask, and now they've eliminated that and saying you have to write in. So I guess the next thing um, for for us to do is to put that address out there um, that page, you know, we, you and I were talking today, Rich, because I had a hard time and I was looking for it. I looked all over for where do you put comments, right? Yeah, I had to give you directions. <laughs> it, is, it, is, and, it is complicated. It is complicated, really. It, and you mean to tell me they want com- comments when you when you have it that difficult to to you know to find? I think it should be like flat out make your comment with a big link. You know what I mean? <laughs> And you know, and let's be let's let's be bloodily honest about this. The Mix Act is the originator and the base of all regulations. Okay, um, mm-hmm. it, a lot of people look at that committee and don't really kind of understand it. But Federal Motor Carrier themselves uh, have to be directed into making changes and, uh, and, and, and additions and, and to amendments to regulations, and it has to go through a long, drawn-out uh, policy to do this. Um, the thing about it we noticed with the task force is everything that I've watched come to fruition from the 2008 hours of service, uh, body mass index, all the important subjects we discussed started on this mm-hmm. committee as communication. That's right. Right. I know. I mean, we have the shows that in the archives of a lot of the things that were what either a new uh, a proposed rule or you know, I mean, from from two three years ago when they were just you know thoughts and and conversations and now they're rules and mandates. So. Um, yeah, I, I just find it um, not so, uh, how could I put it? I'm not disappointed that the drivers still get involved. I'm disappointed that there isn't more uh, put out there by the um, FMCSA to get them involved. Do they want them involved? And I wonder. Well, you look at the makeup of what the mix Act Committee is made up of. I mean, let's face it, it's very heavy in enforcement and advocacy. 
there's very few people on that entire committee and the subcommittees that are actually directly tied to ownership or, uh, you know, there's no drivers on there whatsoever, not one driver. A um, lot of it's, you know, advocates that uh, have an agenda because of, you know, they had a personal tragedy within their life by somebody who was involved in an accident with a truck. <clears throat> and it gives them a platform, you know, and a stage for them to get up and, and basically spread the, the word that they think every truck ought to be off the road, that they're large metal grinding, <laughs> murdering hulks that are going up and down the road. You've got enforcement. Right. You know, it's very heavy in truck enforcement, and it sets a standard for which they, they can, uh, you know, generate uh, finances and money for the state, for their particular states. And then you have, like, uh, you know, it's trucking associations, OIDA, ATA, um, ATA ain't speaking up for drivers. You know, they're speaking up for the betterment of the large motor carriers. Right, right. Yeah, well, there's a lot of agendas flying around in there. So, but uh, but hey, Bert, I want you to jump in here. Um, um, you know, you wanted to talk about the driver shortage. Uh, you know, expand a little bit more on that. What your thoughts about it is, and you know, all that good stuff. Well, I think the big. Some points you guys have already touched on, you know, the the younger generation coming up, they don't have the work ethic to do it, and I think we're really lacking in real training, which is why I like really like what you guys do. And, you know, I came from the generation where, well, I described my training as I was nine years old. My father said, the truck goes over there, don't do anything, I'll kick your butt. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We went to the same know, school. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and the thing that I'm really noticing, and I talked about it in my podcast this week, is with the you know especially with this terrible winter we've been having, the lack of the lack of experience and the lack of skill out here. I mean, you have these big motor carriers that take someone right out of school, and you know, in a, ma- in, a, in, a in a matter of weeks later, they become a trainer, and then all of a sudden, the oh next well, guy comes yeah, out of school, you know, the next guy comes out of school, and now, all of a sudden, you have two guys in a truck, number one with wide single tires, and chances are they have an automatic, you know, put it in D for dummy, and neither one of them has, has been on snow. And meanwhile, that's a trainer-trainee relationship, and I don't see how that job can actually be done by someone who hasn't experienced everything that they need to experience out here. Well, you know, I just want to say you said about being on the snow and no experience. And uh, I just want to say that uh, these truck simulators, we have uh, one of our advertisers who we've researched deeply, uh, has a tremendous school, the Pinnacle Truck Driver Training. They start their people out on the simulator before they'll take them out so they get the feel of the truck. And they, after they do get the feel of the truck, they go back on and take a test to see where they're weak and then go back out on the truck and then practice uh, their weaknesses. And that includes on snow. So, I mean, I think, I think the um, improved training, we're all on board. The fact that trainers are ma- made trainers with, you know, less than six months' experience themselves. Uh, but I, I have to say that, you know, we've been a – a proponent of um, these truck driver, these trucking simulators for over a year now, and I think people really are are going to have to uh, look at them a little more seriously. Alan, I noticed you have a couple of callers on the line. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just keep we'll just keep rolling. It's a roundtable open forum. So, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I'll just bring you on and leave your mic open and and just jump in when you like. Uh, but we'll go to uh, we have Richard Wilson and uh, uh, Bert with us right now. We'll go to Vermont area code eight zero two. So go ahead. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, how are you? This is John. Hey, doing good. Who's this? John. From John. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, glad to have you. What's going on? Well, I, I wanted to talk about the driver pay. I got into a uh, debate with one of your uh, Facebook friends over it the other day. Oh, and, uh, I remember. Were you the gentleman that was discussing unions? Yeah, I. Uh, I'm fully behind that. I'll be honest with you. I know uh, Alan. I guess he's not behind it. But, um, oh, that's okay. I don't have to be behind it. <laughs> you know, I I think uh, the whole issue with the driver pay is is that uh, you know there's a wage crisis in the whole country. It's not just affecting the drivers; it's affecting you know the the bulk of uh, the workers out there. You know, um, the uh, middle class workforce uh, in general. And you have these forces working behind it. The uh, corporations have these. Uh, very powerful lobbyists that are working to keep the wages down in all industries. Uh, the Republicans, if they had their way, we'd all be working for free. Um, and uh, you know, I I, don't, I think it's just wishful thinking that the wages are going to change without some type of uh, organization um, going between the drivers and the um, trucking companies to uh, negotiate wages and negotiate better benefits and, and, and so forth. And um, Well, you know, the, Richard, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. But, you know, I know Alan mentioned, you know, changing the uh, classification to skilled labor, but I don't even think that's going to do, do it anymore because even with skilled labor, they're still driving down wages. And, you know, this is a, you know, a problem in the country where we've become cheap labor for the American corporations. And, uh, well, you know, and, and well, they're going to keep the sound as long as they can. <laughs> well, you know, personally, uh, if, they ever change, if they ever change the classification of truck drivers to skilled labor, I, I personally think I'll fall over with a heart attack because that would have a global economic effect. And I, I, I actually tend to agree with you in some sorts. I mean, I see the pros and cons of, of unions, but uh, I, 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 I tend to agree with you a little bit, John, that it is going to take something like that to step in between the trucking companies and the drivers because there's, really no, there's really no huge, massive voice for drivers out there right now in relationships such as a union, so I can, I can almost agree with you on that. Well, you know, Richard, you were talking about that today, as a matter of fact, uh, about the unions and the uh, the pros and cons of all that. You know, well, there's, there's I, I forgot. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a Teamster member that's on the Mixac Committee. I'm very good friends with him because in my many, many years ago, when I used to haul beer out in Newark, New Jersey, we had to be uh, in the Teamsters, to, you know, to get in and out of the breweries. Um, even though I was an owner-operator, I was still a local member, but... Um, the thing about the, the, right now, the Teamsters really their biggest um, uh, piece of ammunition is the National Freight Agreement, which they work out with you know individual depending on the territories and stuff like that. But overall, 
um, union organization, as far as negotiating for drivers and everything like that, still, you know, has its uh, meanings and causes and is a good thing. But as far as regulations go, the regulations supersede, you know, whatever the union can do. The union can protect, you know, a driver that's falsely fired by a company. Um, you know, so can uh, OSHA, you know, depending on what the situation is. Uh, there's other tasks out there. It's, it's, I don't look at it as being the savior. I look at it as being part of a building block of a total environment where, one, our drivers are labeled as skilled labor. Um, you know, the new program that was uh, introduced and put into the notes about, you know, relieving the exemption so a driver has to be paid uh, over the time and a half, over 40, just like any other skilled labor. Um, removing some of the uh, power of the commodity and the uh, larger trucking companies into uh, uh, exploiting hours of drivers based on hours of service. So hours of service says, well, we can work. You know, the union could come in and represent somebody where something was done to them personally or, um, you know, when it comes time to the National Freight Agreement and that, you know, union employer would have to agree to pay and they're still not getting the money they deserve. Even the union drivers aren't getting the money they deserve. You know, so so everybody that sits behind the wheel of a truck right now, and why so many good quality qualified drivers are leaving, because whether they have the Teamsters, they have uh, OIDA, they have you know people like myself behind them. You know, we're basically barking up a tree that has no limbs on it because the government at the top it regulates. So we have to deal with regulation. What perks we get at the bottom end of it is who negotiates for us. And unions or otherwise, it can be all kinds of groups. But as long as there's somebody doing something that's causing these regulations to be kind of uh, geared more and getting more impact from drivers, I think is what's going to be the, the only way we're going to see wages raised in this country. Because what's going to happen, the turnover rate on an average driver is over 100% for less than a year. Okay, you're running out of these qualified drivers, so they're going to keep putting these people in these trucks, and eventually there's going to be some kind of a breakdown to where we have to re revamp and look, and there's going to be protectionism to drivers. All right, well, yeah, I mean, it, I can see both sides. Um, I mean, Bert, you've, uh, you've been in it for a while. John brought up the issue of unions. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I've never been a, a I've never been a proponent of unions. I had a my relationship with with them was formed at an early age, back toward the fast strike in the seventies. But uh, I think the I think one of the keys to to raising the driver wage. Number one, it's kind of odd that I talked about it on my podcast this week was the fact that we are not considered professional. We are you know we're still unskilled labor. I think that's one of the big things that has to change. But it also has to start getting reflected in our end of the industry, too. Um, you know, he mentioned the turnover rate. And I think the last time I checked, I think it was somewhere around 112%. And, and it's quite obvious. I mean, look at, look at the amount of advertising and effort that's gone into some things. The biggest fleets, the bigger fleets, they've, I think they've, they've made a transition from the actual trucking business to the, re, the driver recruiting business. They've and had schooling. to put more, more, effort, more effort into that and more investment into that than the actual business of trucking, where it seems kind of backwards, where if you would, you know, concentrate on the trucking and the service and the image end of it, I think would be, there would be a lot more, more fruit at the end of the season. But 
Um, but I, but like Alan said, I think that one of the it would be a major impact if we were all of a sudden considered to be professional labor. Oh, it would. I mean, it would have a global effect. I mean, globally effect. I wrote I wrote on that a couple of years ago, a real, real big post on Ask the Trucker about the global effects of going to skilled labor, but. Um, well, how can can you do um, one without the other? The 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 fair labor act without the unskilled, or are they hand in hand? The I think you lost us. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 fair I labor go along with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair, fair labor yeah. basically is the the definition of fair labor is a fair wage for a fair day's work. Right. So somebody has to set that standard. What is that standard? Uh, that standard is probably not that hard to achieve simply by looking at the time frame and the amount of hours, the base pay, the net pay, benefit, you know, program and the whole nine yards and, and you know, do a uh, do across-the-board study on what the average, and, and it could be very easy to figure out what the average is simply by taking, you know, the, the net paychecks, dividing them by how many of them there is, getting, a, a you know, a gross and then a net, and then putting that out to whatever the mean income housing, you know, or cost of living that, that other industries have that are skilled labor, you know, putting it like this, put, put a truck driver up against a plumber. A plumber has to go out, first of all, they have to go through some type of a trade school or an, an apprenticeship program with a, with, a, you know, with a licensed plumber. Once they go through that, then they're put, like, you know, from that point of it, the basic training to an apprenticeship, they have to, you know, complete so many hours, so many tasks, so many tests or whatever, and then they take a test or whatever and become a master plumber. That system, I think, would work in our industry because we could take drivers that are coming right out of these truck driver schools that 60 or 70 percent of the motor carriers on the road won't hire them or their insurance company won't let them hire them and put them in an apprenticeship. Don't run a driver that went to truck driving school in South Carolina to Donner Pass on his first run in the wintertime. Keep them in an area. Let them get some skills. Let them get some, and then graduate them into another level to drive further and further. And I think it's it's worked with the trades. Why can't it work with our trade? Well, if I can jump in here, uh, it, it, it yeah, jump in. Trades. It has worked with the trades, but uh, what you're seeing now is even the decline in union membership in the trades is dropping off uh, uh, drastically. So the the wages are going down even in the trades. Uh, they're, they're certainly not uh, up there where they used to be. There's a lot of uh, cheap labor out there right now. Uh, you know, uh, you know, largely from Latin America and whatnot. And uh, uh, and like I said, if you if the lobbyists and the Republicans have their way, the uh, the whole concept of being skilled labor and getting these wages will just uh, dissipate altogether and um, I'm not really sure if it's really I'm not really sure if it's the Republicans um, really uh, I I, I almost feel look what happened in Wisconsin uh, you know with the uh, uh, government unions the civil service unions I mean they're just looking to drive down the wages of government workers and lower wages not the answer, not not the answer for anything. It's certainly not the answer for economic recovery for the United States uh, because if people have no money to spend, there's no money to pump into the economy. You can't get it all from government. Um, and, uh, 
you know, we lost everything in this country. Manufacturing, the trucking industry went downhill because of deregulation, which which tore apart the trucking industry, the airlines, the uh, railroads. So, uh, you know, we're on a downward spiral. And maybe union membership is not going to solve everything, but you have to remember that union membership has declined a lot. And and in order to get that power back and the power to negotiate back, you've got to build that membership back up, and that's going to take some time. But I just don't see the government stepping in and reclassifying anything and negotiating wages or seeing that people get better wages because they're working against us. They're not working with us. John, this is John, right? Yeah. John? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? And and this is uh, uh, something that I've run across in in, in the people that I'm dealing with. Um, You're right. Wages have gone down. Now, wages not necessarily have gone down by dollar amounts in a negative Wages have stayed sedimentary to where right. the cost of living has come mm-hmm. in. And what I made driving a truck in 1980s and 1970s was a lot of money. And well, people yeah. today are making the same amount of money with exactly. a 2015 culture. So it costs you three times as much to live, and you're making the same dollar. Well, actually, if you listen to the economists, they'll tell you that wages, yes, they have gone down, but they also stagnated. Wages now, when adjusted for inflation, are actually lower than they were in 1972. Absolutely. Uh, so, so we're not we're not moving forward. We're moving backwards. Right. And uh, I can tell you that they, the economists also will tell you that deregulation was a big part of that. I mean, because all deregulation did, and there's been some talk about re-regulating the airlines, because deregulation just created an unlevel playing field where you have, uh, you may have a company that's based in New York that has a higher operating cost just because of the nature where it's based, and all of a sudden now you can get a company from, you know, Oshkosh, New Mexico, where labor is cheaper and the cost of operating might be cheaper, that's able to come into New York State and do business and, and uh, you know, operate within the state and then send their truck back uh, out west. I mean, so, you know, the, the competition just isn't fair out there either. I mean, so I don't know how we could possibly compete. I can't understand how uh, smaller companies can, can compete with the larger companies. We don't have the same buying power. We don't have the same, you know, advantages. So, so deregulation didn't help us either. It didn't help the airlines. It drove down rates in the airlines. It drove down wages in the airlines. It may help the consumer, but it certainly it's not doing anything for the employees. So, uh, you know, the only way again that I think that we're going to gain ground is if we if we were able to build up a big enough force that we're able to uh, negotiate. With either the, with the trucking companies and, and put a little pressure on Congress to do something, but as individuals, you know we're kind of lost. I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to get uh, uh, people to do anything. A lot of people are getting scared of this union membership and, and everything else because they're being told, no, no, unions bad. They're, they're no good for you and everything else. But this is the brainwashing that these uh, corporations uh, are trying to use to keep us as. Uh, you know, low-paid uh, uh, workers. And uh, so, so that's the way I feel. I just don't feel that there's any mechanism 
to, to intervene here. And certainly the drivers don't have the time, and they can't do it on their own. And if and, and even if they did go, even if more companies did go union, it's not like everything would change overnight. It would be kind of progressive and to the point where uh, membership built up and the wages were able to increase, uh, you know, um, you know, over a period of time. Nothing would happen overnight. So it's not like every, it would have a drastic impact on the economy or anything else. So, I mean, that, that's just my viewpoint well, is there needs to be something in between us and uh, big business if we're going to survive in life. Well, I mean, it's going to be a big struggle because, I mean, the biggest thing in the news these days is the economy. And, and um, John, let me ask you this. Have you heard uh, also, you know, you brought up the economy and all that. Um, have you heard, I've, I heard lately from uh, quite a few economic experts that are predicting that we are going to see another recession between now and 2016 that will make the that will make the 08 recession look like a picnic. Have you heard that? I Yes, I have heard that uh, we're on the verge of seeing this U.S. dollar collapse, especially if uh, if China undermines the uh, U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. So I think if the our federal government keeps on printing up money, uh, you know, fiat currency, That's right. which is what you call it, that uh, we're going to see a collapse of the U.S. dollar and uh, – uh, we're basically going to be uh, people could kiss their four hundred one k's goodbye, and uh, unless you have a stockpile of gold, uh, you're not going to get through it. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's what that's happens with what the printing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if they if they're printing sixty billion dollars a day. I mean, I mean, it, yeah, I'm well, no economic, but, but can I get go that ahead. hauling? Can I get that yeah. hauling? Yeah. <laughs> I want that. I want that hauling. That's sixty million dollars a day. I want to haul it. With the well, oh yeah. They're, they're, spending, they're spending half a trillion dollars a year just to fund the military, uh, and they're saying, you know, that, that we can't possibly keep up this kind of spending and keep printing up our own money with the dollar not being backed by anything anymore. It's not backed by gold. It's not backed by silver anymore. There's nothing backing it. They're just printing it up as they need it. And sooner or later, it, it, it's just going to collapse. And it's like you said, it's going to make this last recession look like a walk in the park. So um, Yeah, that's what they're saying. And we, we keep doing stuff like, I mean, we, we go to Africa and give, you know, give them $8 billion. And, I mean, it, it's crazy. But, hey, Bert, jump in here. We don't mean to keep you, you going to – this conversation gets rolling pretty good. You just got to jump in here. Well, that's okay. Well, one thing I did, one point I did want to bring up there a couple seconds ago was, you know, we were talking about the the dollar not being backed by anything. The dollar hasn't been backed by anything since 1973. So a lot of the assumptions based on the value of the dollar, they're not really valid because we haven't been on the gold standard since 73. That's a long time ago. Yeah. So in Grand in Greenwich, China is going to China's, you know, they're they're famous for the, manip- the manipulation of their currency. And it's, uh, unfortunately, yes, we are going to hit another recession, but, you know, one point I'd like to make, we're talking about the, um, you're talking about, you know, the wages remaining stagnant. And I found, yes, you can't compete with big business since deregulation. It's, you, you can't do it. You have to, you have to find a niche. I've made a lot of money in this business. You know, I'm not as much as I'd like to make now, but, you know, over the years, you have to find that little niche and you have to find where you can make the money, because there are some jobs yet out there that not everybody can do. 
And I, I lived agree. through that. Back in the 90s, uh, J.D. Hunt tried to take over the business that I was in. I was doing refrigerated LTL out of Chicago. And he mm-hmm. said he was going to take it all over, and he did for three days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Three days? I give him a lot of credit. I didn't think he'd last that he, long. <laughs> well, he, well he, went, he went out and he bought 320 brand-new reefer trailers in 1995. I remember that. And on, on Friday... He, uh, we all got out to Chicago, and we were all told, okay, bring it in. We don't have any freight. J.B. Hunt took it off. Well, Monday wow. morning, guess what? Every company in Chicago is being called again because their drivers couldn't do the job. I mean, you know, not everybody can do, you know, 26 stops in the boroughs. And, and you know, a big factor in that, too, Bert, is rules and regulations in 95 were a lot less stringent and, and, you know, a lot more lapsed than what they are today and with the regulations that we've picked up just in the last 10 years since uh, sure. 94, you know, or 2004 sure. till now, has sure. completely hindered the same amount of pounds per, or, you know, ton per, per mile moved and with less people moving it. So, you know, it, well, yeah, yeah, it's just a compounding factor. We've become right. more productive. We definitely have, I mean, 53-foot trailers, I mean, a common... Now, I mean, we're moving a lot more freight for a lot less money. Why do they want 50? That's why they want to get 90,000 pounds. Is that going to benefit the driver? No. It's going to move more commerce for the same price. And think about that movement with the 90,000 pounds, and they want to add a third axle. Look at the accidents we're having now. (laughs) And you want want to put these same people in front of another 10,000 pounds. And, you know, and, and you're right. It's been freight for nothing since we left the 40-foot trailer. It's, that's been a steady climb since the, you know, for, for many years. Since we left 40-footers, it's been all freight for nothing. And now they, you know, now, but now you have the big fleets that are also catering to that. I mean, if you look at, the, if you look at Prime, they have a fleet of reefer trucks that, is, that, is, that, will, that can legally haul 49,000 pounds of freight. Yeah, who would want to? But, well, and you know that kind of brings up the idea, Richard. I think it was covered at the MSAC meeting. I mean, uh, through the CSA and all the regulations that keep being compounded on the industry. I mean, are these regulations obviously adding to the increased uh, accidents and everything? I mean, you know, uh, Bert brings up the ninety thousand pounds, or John, whoever it was. I forget now the and the extra axle and regulation on regulation on regulation to make it safer, but it's actually making it, to me, it seems like it's making it uh, more dangerous. What they've done is they've taken the control out of the driver being able to admit to themselves when they're fatigued, and it's putting it into a little box up on the dashboard or some, you know, wet behind the ears, blonde-haired dispatcher sitting back in an office that all he looks at is black and white figures. You know, you've got X amount of miles, these are the amount of hours you've got to drive, uh, you know, it's kind of a set-in-stone type thing. The minute you slow down, somebody's getting a hold of you. What are you slowing down for? Your GPS is this. You know, it's electronic babysitting of lack of experience. You know, you take guys from our era that drove the years we drove. We knew what had to be done, get the job done. We did it accordingly. We given the time, a mileage. You know, we got it done. Yeah, okay. The problem is today we're not promoting, rewarding drivers for admitting their fatigue. We are ostracizing them. We're dacking them, and we're getting them thrown out of the industry. So, yeah, we've lost yeah. all, all well, these regulations have just totally changed the entire atmosphere to where a driver <laughs> is no longer the captain of his ship. 
Well, you know what? There's two things to that. First of all, they look at the theory behind it, okay? They don't look at what, how people can use it against people. And then once it is brought up, then they're like, okay, well, we'll address that. Um, but, <clears throat> I mean, I got a, I got a good, example I got a good of what... Line. Donna, I got a good line for that right there. I had somebody tell me the other day, and it's so funny you said the word theory. A guy was a client that I was at, we were working on, is in the heavy haul business, and they're very regulated about where they can go over dimension, when they can haul. And, and the guy that owned the business looked at me, he said, you know what? He said, if theory could deliver freight, I would be a billionaire. Well, and that's true. But but what was brought up at the Mixat uh, meeting was the whistle whistleblower. Uh, so the example you gave about firing a driver because he's saying it instead of rewarding him, well, they actually brought up about whistleblowing, which, you know, we all know uh, drivers are very, what would you call it, fearful of doing that or Sure, you know, they don't sure. know about it. Or I don't know what. They don't know where to go. The Service Transportation Assistance Act. I mean, Paul Taylor spoke two years in a row about it, handed out all kinds of literature at the Trucking Social Media Convention. But there's an example of what they can do about that, and they're not aware. So I think well, a lot of things – look ahead. And, and, that, and that was introduced under uh, Section 27, Require OSHA to prioritize whistleblower protection for drivers and expedite investigations and and resolution process. When drivers elect to blow the whistle, their case should be expedited. Cases often take one to two years. And it's deliberately the larger carriers that have the money, the lawyers, and and, and the cash flow can deliberately drag that whole process out to where the driver gets frustrated and either just goes away because he can't keep a lawyer, you know, on – especially if he got fired and got negative DAC reports and can't get another job, how's he going to pay for the lawyer? So they know they're going to hold it out two or three years. So now they want to eliminate uh, well, that you, process to a hearing. Well, now, well, of course, you know, you've got Paul Taylor. You know Paul well. Yeah. And, I mean, he handles these cases on a contingency basis. So, uh, I mean, they don't have to pay him anything. Once he takes the case, he's pretty confident that he's going to win that case. Uh, and, and recently, you know, he's he's kind of been on a roll recently if you've been following him. Uh, so uh, I think it's an awareness, really, of of what you, what you do. They don't know what to do. Well, I think in the general conversation of things based on that was, you know, as the information is put to a, um, a give a, a simulation here, say that this committee set up, and that's all their task is to do is to um, go through and look at these cases on a case by case, and if if it's a definite action that a driver took that relates directly to crash causation or safety doesn't even go to an arbitrary meeting uh, of the minds like that, it would be handled by that commission, and that commission would have the availability to go to the employer and say, no, you were wrong, you could not fire this person based on this, it's like a Fair Labor Standards Act, and that's what they want to do is they want to eliminate this so it's handled, um, you know, it's just like if a person gets fired and they go to unemployment in front of the labor board, that's usually two to three months after the action, not two or three years. So that's kind of the area that they're looking into is, is giving this uh, uh, an outlet for drivers to take these whistleblower situations to and have it ruled on by ind- industry professionals, haha, and then make a decision based on that and expedite it. 
Okay. Well, let me ask you. I mean, we're talking about a lot of things. So I've been sitting here just listening, thinking, you know, we could have we could have been talking about these same things 20, 30 years ago. And I wonder, well, you know what? I mean, what has changed for the industry and the good? You know, we talk. We always hear about the bad, the negative, and and all that stuff. I get emails every day from people. You know, I. I've, you know, I've read everything you've written, and I know about the bad stuff and the, the negative stuff, but I really think I can make trucking work. And, you know, I almost have to laugh when I hear that, and I have to ask myself, has anything really changed for the better in the last 20 or 30 years for trucking? I think one of those things is um, obviously social media. I mean, we hear, you know, the old saying, uh, you know, talk is cheap, but uh, let me go to John and then Bert. I'll get y'all's response. But, um just that, I mean, at least at least they're talking about things, John, at the MSAC meeting. They're talking about skilled labor. They're talking about raising driver pay. I mean, would you agree that, I mean, at least the fact that they're talking about it, which they haven't done in 20 or 30 years, I mean, just the fact they're talking about it is a good thing for drivers? I don't know, because they talk about things for years before, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my point. Well, I, I would agree with you that there have been some good things to change. Nothing that I think will put more money in our pockets, but certainly uh, working conditions. We got better, better trucks, better highways, uh, better technology in terms of, uh, you know, I mean, you could find loads on the cell phone now. You know, so you got better communication between, uh, you know, shippers and uh, brokers and everything else. So there's been some improvements, but. Uh, the one big improvement, uh, again, you know, was still, uh, uh, you know, they're not paying people for the work they're doing. I mean, so so I don't think it's been a total loss. It's just, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's why I wanted to get your viewpoint. You know, I, I like to, you know, try to find some good in something, you know, but it's a driver pay. Driver pay seems to be the biggest, the biggest thing, you know, which obviously, you know, everybody can agree on. Well, you know, if fuel hit, uh, you know, your fuel now, at least for me, up here in the Northeast, I mean, went up, uh, I think it's up to about 4.30 a gallon now, and it just went up 30 cents in the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, it's getting to be a little ridiculous. I mean, these spikes in fuel, the uh, certainly the, the increased regulation, and as far as I'm concerned, the hours of service is, uh, you know, I got out of working for a company because, uh, you know, they would use the hours of service. I mean, it, it was like, uh, you know, okay, they say you can work 14 hours a day. You're going to work 14 hours a day. That just happens to be the government allows. Yeah. We're going to get that out of you. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I personally, at my age, think it's hard to be out on the road for three, four, five, six weeks at a time or more. Uh, to try to earn a living and uh, and then come home with, with, with money that really it's not reflective of the amount of time you spent out on the road. So, um, yeah, I mean, pay, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. pay, I think, is still the number one issue for a lot of people, and, that, and that's certainly fueling a whole bunch of other problems in terms of the, uh, um, you know, the driver shortage and, and, and you know. So, I got a um, yeah, I know. I agree. I think pay is a big thing. Well, talking about pay, what about the detention pay? Well, that's, that's good, too, because 
I mean, I work for a company that, you know, it's always, it's always the same thing. It's, oh, the first two hours you're going to wait on your own dime, and then they'll kick in, and then some of those uh, detention pays, are, you know, just minimum wage, uh, you know, $70,000 an hour, whatever they're paying. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, so. But, but, uh, but Richard, you said they brought that up at the uh, Mixac meeting about, about making shippers and receivers responsible for this, for the yeah, detention that's a, that's, pay. Yeah, that's a whole other uh, um, uh, it's called the authority over chain of responsibility to include shippers, receivers, brokers, and require that the agency to put forward minimum standards for anyone who engages as the service of the passenger or property carriers. Under the proper property carrier, bring shippers into FMCSA safety program jurisdiction. Require FMCSA to pursue avenues to ensure that when a truck is held up by shippers, the carrier and the driver are paid, and prohibits penalties for carriers and drivers for being late with shipments. And it also would... Uh, uh, there would be a new recourse uh, for the company against a carrier or a driver that uh, uh, didn't do, wasn't forced to do something illegal. Okay, so I mean, I, I know what everybody's saying that that you know they're just talking, but things start with talking, and then once you bring it out in the open, if you get enough people behind it, and this was the point I was trying to make before that if drivers aren't aware that all this is going on, they can't comment. They, well, they can't take action. Well, they can write those letters. They can be part of those public uh, meetings and sending the letter in. Like I said, we were looking all over. Where do you comment? We're, we're, you know, and Richard actually had to show us, and it's not easy to find. But well, I do have good news. I have good news. I want. Can I please give good news? Yes, go ahead. We are going to have driver vehicle inspection reports now. That if there's nothing wrong, you don't have to fill one out. Isn't that help? No, that's it, huh? That's it. I mean, that's the only thing I can be positive. So you ought to have a complaint sheet. You ought to have a complaint sheet that you fill out and get sent back to the federal government. That would make it a hell of a lot easier if you had to turn in a complaint sheet every day. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Bert. Jump in here. I've noticed one thing. Who was talking about? You know, as far as detention pay, and you know, trying to address those issues on a federal level. There's one thing that we're forgetting. Uh, it used to be when a shipper or receiver dealt with a carrier, you were, you were, you were dealing under the terms of that carrier's tariff. Well, now with the, with the, ons with the onset of, of just about every piece of freight going through a broker, that adds a degree of separation to that. So... You know, that carrier isn't, you know, the, or the shipper isn't subject to the carrier's tariff. It's whatever agreement they have with the broker. So if that particular load says no detention, there's no detention. And that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's a, a big issue that also has to be talked about. Yeah, well, Richard, response? Um, yeah, and, and, and unfortunately... You know, the thing is, if this was something that had been monitored a little bit better by better professionals over the years, I don't think we would have had the gap that we're currently dealing with, which makes it so much harder to get anything changed more for the positive. Yeah, well, I'm just sitting here thinking about <laughs> everything. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, it's a, uh, and like a, and, and, and everything everybody's saying is 100% right. You can go back to deregulation, but in an analysis of deregulation, say, for instance, really the only thing they deregulated is they just made it easier for anybody, American, non-American, you know, Middle Eastern, you know, Eastern Asia, can come over here and can go to a leasing company or a dealer, buy a truck. There's, there's no, there's not even a requirement to purchase a tractor trailer or Class 8 or anything other than the fact that you walk in there and you have cash in your hand. So, I mean, deregulation about what is hauling freight is one deregulation, and just letting the industry go unattended and trying to fix it after things are broke or after trucks are crashed or after people are killed is not the way they should have done this. And I think that has probably widened the gap more than, than anything, is so many people got into our industry that have no business, and now they're trying to close down all these chameleon carriers and I've dealt with chameleon carriers, and they're just as smart as the feds are. You know, they, they get three or four people in a family. They can go for four or five, six years before they finally run out of bodies to put the name of the company in. And by that time, they've made their money, and they move on to another industry. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, on, on that aspect, you know, the FMCSA is always going to be outnumbered. They can't watch them all, you know, but... Um, I, I I don't know I don't know I, I I just keep sitting here thinking you know we we're kind of the, we, we could be talking about this thirty years ago you know it's kind of the same thing but I I mean I'm kind of with John a little I mean I I see a little few good things that has come the way but not not enough to um, you know just make it better for the drivers and everything and and again the driver pay is the biggest thing but it, it's just stagnant and with the economy the way it is and I don't see any any good thing in the future for the economy we know we may be this way in a long time but i I like to hear some good things sometimes well i guess i'm more the optimist uh richard because i mean just the fact that they're talking about it all and they weren't even bringing it up before almost like um well i pointed that out (laughs) but i mean you know they're forced to and and alan brought it up with the social media they're forced to because this is all you know, being shared amongst uh, one another. However, they don't make it easy to be a part of those uh, public comments. And I I think we need to make more effort to, you know, make it easier or or bring the awareness and get that link shared. And, uh, you know... Well, you and Alan Alan know, you have known me for the years you've known me. I have been a big advocate of teaching drivers how to get that information. We've done seminars on it. Uh, we put it out there. Many shows, Alan, you and I have had on this subject, you know, giving information. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, I'm going to spank my own kind for a minute. And, and not in a down way, but, you know, everybody gets high on their horse for 24 hours, and they want to do this, they want to do that. How many follow-ups do I get from these people that run me down, they want the information, I send them, I put them on an email list, I send the information, and you never hear from them again. So, you know, we, maybe we ought to take the broom to our own back porch before we start sweeping our neighbors. Well, you know, and, and, and in relationship to that aspect, I mean, the, the lifestyle's rough, you know. I mean, I was out there for... A lot of years, and uh, I mean, there were so many things I wanted to do and get involved in, but that, but that profession just wore me down, and I just could not, you know, get to it. So, I mean, it's a catch-22, you know. I think a lot of them out there 
are, are, you know, really want to get involved, but, you know, when you've got your dispatcher running and running and you finally make it home, man, you just want to sleep and rest, and you, you barely have time to do your clothes, and you're gone again. And they know that. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and that's, like, one way they, that's one way they keep us beaten down, you know? Sure they do. Sure they do. Of course it. Well, when they pass the regulations to put to, to where you're a machine and you're operated on, you know, almost like a hard drive on when you're going to do this, 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 and what the allotted time is, and you're going this many miles at this average mile per hour, you should be able to do this, that, and the other. I mean, yeah, there is no real free downtime because you are so tired when you get downtime. You utilize it in some way or another for rest, but, you know, there's also a lot of people out here who spend a lot of time on social media, and, you know, I've had long conversations with people, and, you know, I said, listen, while you're sitting there talking to me, why don't you look on this site and send them a letter? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, you can, it's like anything else, manipulate your time to where you can allow yourself four or five minutes a week to, to put your thoughts down on something. And then you just simply put it in, you know, save it to a file, you go onto their website, you type it in there, you send it as a file. Now they got your opinion, you know. They at least hear you, and that's what I'd like to see more of. But, but you gotta, you yeah, know, yeah, you know, I agree. You gotta, go, go ahead, John. I'm, I'm sorry. You gotta remember, too, there's a whole new... New industry. I think you got people in this industry now that that haven't been in there for thirty years and and who are going to voice the same complaints that maybe, you know, me, you, Richard, and and Bert would would voice because it, it, you got a whole bunch of kids coming in that are in and out of it. You know, within a year or or whatever, they don't even, you know, they don't even care. Uh, they're in the front door and out the back door. So. Uh, or, or they haven't been in the industry that long to, to even voice their concerns because to them there is no issues. There are no issues. Or this is just the way it's supposed to be. So they don't they don't see it the same way. Uh, you know, uh, people who have been in this business a long time see it. So I think I think there's a lot of apathy out there. And also I just want to put yep. two, two quick things. I, I agree that probably we shouldn't have waited this long to try to change things, but maybe we all we naive and thought that it was going to get done for us. And then secondly, I think the U.S. government, especially with deregulation, I think they pat themselves on the back because of the quantity of jobs that they created through deregulation. But they don't consider the quality of the jobs they created. They just they just praise themselves. Look at all the jobs we got out there that were created, you know, but they don't tell you that most of these jobs are just low-paying uh, jobs, uh, you know, service sector jobs, McDonald's or something like that, that don't pay right. people a living wage. So, so they're probably looking at the numbers and saying, "Wow, this deregulation was a was a wonderful thing. We created all these tens of thousands of jobs in the trucking industry, but they don't realize uh, that a lot of those jobs are just not worth having, and and and, and what's going on in the industry." So, anyway, those, those are my few uh, few points, but I. Uh, well, it's a good point, and I mean, it's all has the economic situation. I mean, you know, they're 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 all happy now that the unemployment rate's down to six point six. But when you figure everything in and look at everything, uh, it's actually between twelve and fifteen percent. But hey, let's go to Texas real quick. Our, we've got nineteen minutes and twenty seconds here. We're winding down here. Texas area code been a great show. Really enjoyed it. Area code nine zero three, Texas. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. I apologize for being late. But anyway, well, don't I, let it happen again. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Anyway, uh, 
I didn't, I don't, I missed the first part, so I don't know if anybody talked about the idea that we need some kind of a screening process before these people are even allowed to attend a driving school. Well, that came in, you missed the first part, and we discussed the um, CDL and the recruiting and the CDL entrant uh, standards uh, initially. Um, but what do you think about that idea, uh, Richard? I don't have any problem with it. I mean, listen, that's why I don't think big trucking companies should even be allowed to have schools. Because, number one, they're making right. as much money off their truck driving schools as they are hauling freight. When you have a turnover oh, yeah. rate of 112, 115, 120%, you know, you put a class of 50 in there and you end up with five or six drivers that actually make it even if they make it to the first year out of that group. But the problem of it is those other 95% of the students in that class still have to pay the cost back to the school. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, you know me, I'm dead set against and no motor carrier that's a for-hire motor carrier should be allowed to engage in truck driver training. Well, Sandy, what's, what's your, what, yeah, Sandy, what's your ideas on the screening? Okay. You know, and, and I suggested this, and people said, oh, well, that's against your rights. I said, why should it be against They screen for the military. They screen for law enforcement. They screen everything, and there's, if you go into a state agency and just make a general application, they give you an aptitude test. And there are, they're so, these recruiters and training carriers are so interested in getting these people in because they're getting subsidies from the government and they're just milking the cash cow. And that needs to be stopped. That has to be stopped. And Consequently, we're getting a lot of people from under the bridge somewhere that could care less, but they're going to get free <laughs> meals and whatever, and so they go along with it. Well, these training carriers, the first thing they do, and I'm sure you're all aware of this, they put, them, they put these students in this truck, and less than 10 days, they're running team freight. If the training carriers should, if they're going to have trainers, they need to be in that seat and let that student drive. That's, they cannot be in the sleeper. This is absolutely ludicrous. Yes, it is. Hey, Richard, have, has this, and we're winding down here with our time, but just real quick, is, um, has uh, any conversation on the screening process, Sandy's, has that ever come up at the uh, MSAC meetings or anything? Yes. Yes, actually, there, 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 yeah, there is a section in here. Um, uh, let's see where it is. Requires signals or ears regardless whether they operate. Um, let's see, standards uh, should require public federal. I'm trying to read it. I, I, I wasn't. Uh, entry level driver training is critical. FMCSA should work with industry truck and bus side to implement Mixax recommendations re relating to entry level driver training. It should be a standard base set up by um, um, you know just a minimum standard of the requirements with like checkoffs or you have to do so many hours here, so many hours this, so many hours of that, and it's kind of like a skilled labor type of thing where you actually learn and earn is what they call it. To where if you go to work for a trucking company, they put you through a six-week school in their yard, 
you may not even be able to drive over 600 miles a day, period, and I mean back and forth, 300 out, 300 back, until you meet certain skills and certain weather conditions. So, yes, they are putting a standard into this, that they're, or, they're, or they're looking at incorporating a standard of pre-training as well as training. Uh, Sandy, that's what we've been talking about. At least uh, one of the good things, at least they're talking about it, right? Well, yeah, they're talking about it, but we all need to get on the bandwagon, and you're right. We need to, you know, that's one of the things we need to do is talk with every driver that we can talk with. As Rich said, you talk with them, and they're all hyped up because they hear the government's going to do something, and then they lose that hype. They have to make they have to work that 14 hours, and they right. lose all interest. So consequently, we just really have to keep that thing going. It's, it's very, very discouraging that these people are all hyped up one day, and then three or four days later they say, oh, well, it ain't going to make no difference. The government's going to do what they want to do anyway. Yeah. Which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like a cop-out um, but, you know, I can understand how they feel. I sure can. Yeah. Well, listen, our, hey, our, t- our time's winding down here. Appreciate it, Sandy. Uh, gl- good to hear from you again. Be safe out there. Hey, Bert, real quick, where can people hear your podcast? Okay, uh, you can go to the Trucking Image group page and join up there on Facebook. And there's always links for the current podcast there. But in the meantime, you can go to Trucking Image One Word dot podbean dot com and there's two episodes posted and the third one's coming this weekend. Okay. All right. Hey, sounds good. Appreciate you joining us this evening. We'll give them a listen too. And John, there in Vermont, are you in? Are you in Vermont right now, John? No, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm kind of on the border with Massachusetts right now. Are you buried in snow up there? Oh yeah, yeah. I wish I was down there in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> windy, 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 cold, and buried in snow. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, be safe and appreciate the conversation. Thanks for joining us this evening. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, Richard, real quick here as we get low here on time. Uh, and we didn't even cover half of the stuff we were going to talk about. Oh, no. We had a, a good show, good conversation, good caller, a lot of listeners on the phone, on the line. Hope you enjoyed the show. Rich, uh TCRG Consulting, yes, real sir. quick, benefits for drivers. What can they get out of it? Um, they can get somebody that uh, like me that actually goes to the meetings, hears what's going on, uh, and can help them in a lot of their compliance issues, uh, can uh, give them counseling and guiding in areas and directions to go, um, has a direct line with Paul Taylor. Uh, we're now associated with Paul Taylor. Uh, that, oh, cool. Uh, oh, cool. Anything comes through our office uh, of illegal nature is automatically transfers over to Paul. Paul reviews it. Him and I have a discussion on it, and he'll give me directions to feed them or call them uh, directly. Um, uh, right now, big thing is there's big changes coming for owner-operators out there, or lease operators that are thinking about uh, getting their own authority. You better get it quick because they're getting ready to put a new entry system program in where you're going to have to be tested before you can get your authority. Uh, that's a subject. And you can do that, right? Oh, yeah. And you can oh, help yeah. them with their authority. 
I can get their authority, their DOT number. I can hook them up with several different options as far as insurance, get them uh, all the proper, got all the documents, their new entry-level uh, audit documents all set up and ready to go for them, get them all in, and I'm probably about 25% uh, cheaper than most of the other people out there doing it. And can you give a number right now real quick? Yeah, yeah. They can, go, they can get a hold of me um, at my office. Uh, my 800 number is 855-534-7280. My regular local line is 302-495-7095 or go to www.tcrgconsulting.com. They can hit my uh, contact page, send me an email, or send me an email at regguy, R-E-G-G-U-Y, at comcast.net. All right. Hey, sounds good. Thanks for joining us this evening, Richard. Appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Okay. You all be good now. Talk to you later. Be safe. Thanks. Uh -huh, you too. Hey, great show. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. I think Donna has a few announcements, and uh, we'll wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers, TruckerLawyers.com. Be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. Okay, Donna, we're cutting it short here, but go ahead. You got some announcements this week? Um, I have a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, I'd like uh, to send everybody over to our other website, truthabouttrucking.com. Uh, there's a lot of downloads on there for new drivers, people looking into the industry, uh, and you can just feel free to roam around that website. That's truthabouttrucking.com. 
I also want to talk about Tony Justice and his new CD out there, Apple Pie Moonshine, which is flying off the shelves if you haven't uh, gotten it yet. Um, we really recommend you do because it's some of his finest work. Uh, matter of fact, I think Alan's going to be playing one of the songs. On the... Uh, if I have the time. Okay. <laughs> In other words, that means I have to hurry up. Um, uh, but anyway, it's a great it's a great CD, and it's at Loves, it's at Pilot, and uh, the TA Petro. Um, so grab your CD and help support Tony Justice and his wonderful music. Uh, the other thing is I want to thank everybody uh, within our field of uh, social media, our advertisers, our sponsors. Um, I just want to get a, give a shout-out to everybody out there. Um, we'll start out with uh, Paul Taylor and Trucker's Justice Center, uh, Trucker to Trucker, uh, Pinnacle Truck Driver Training, uh, Boreblade.com, Onboard Oil Tech, Truck Help, Go CDL Jobs, Truckers America, Trucker Lawyers, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, Lake Cumberland Training School, Tony Justice Music, and TCRG Consulting with our Richard, uh, guest tonight, Richard Wilson. Uh, we thank everybody for their support, and uh, you know we look we look forward to many years to come with everybody. So uh, the other thing is, if you want to be um, read more about the social media, you can go on Ask the Trucker, click on the link that says Trucking Social Media, and you can read it more about what we do within the uh, realm of social media. Be a part of it and support getting your voice heard, your product, your service, and we promote honesty and transparency in all we do. Um, and I think uh, Truckers Against Trafficking, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. You need to go to the website, truckersagainsttrafficking.org. Um, there's a, a new video up, um, I Am Not a Lot Lizard, and it describes how m many of these people who are, you know, just, how could I put it? I mean, they're looked down upon, are forced into this profession Get over to Truckers Against Trafficking. Stop the atrocities of human uh, trafficking and forced prostitution and learn how truckers can be a big part in helping that. Uh, also, MissingTruckDriver.com. Uh, go check out uh, that website. That's another, another website that we all need to be involved in. And uh, that's it for tonight, Alan. All right. We'll squeeze it in here. Here's Tony Justice, TonyJusticeMusic.com with his newest release, Apple Pie Moonshine. For Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening.